Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. How are you, Ken? I'm doing all right. I'm really excited for today's episode. We, we've got a pretty amazing guest lined up. Why don't you introduce him? Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited uh, for this gentleman to join us. Uh, he's a singer and musician. Uh, he's released multiple albums, toured all over, had a residency in Las Vegas, uh, starred in the musical Grease for a while. And of course, in 2006, the winner of the fifth season of American Idol. Ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Hicks is with us today. Taylor, thanks so much for being a part of us. And he's got his mouth harp. It's not a jaw harp. <laughs> it's, a, it's a harmonica. People harmonica. get that confused sometimes. But. There, so is there a difference? I apologize. No, 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 no. The jaw harp. I, I was watching. Uh, I was watching something uh, where there was, uh, you know, the jaw harp you can hear in, uh, in like the band up on Cripple Creek, and um, there, you know, it's interesting. Those harmonica. Uh, the jaw harp came first before the harmonica. Okay. It was just just one little piece, but uh, it's like the doing 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 doing. So uh, people call mouth harps mouth harp jaw harps uh harmonicas but uh the harmonica is called a mouth harp and uh the jaw harp is called the jaw harp nice okay i'm and, and you're obviously known as a singer but you're a multi-instrumentalist you play play guitar harmonica you play the organ too a little bit right yeah a little b3 yeah. um you know and the reason why i like the b3 is because you can blend a lot of sounds in so if you really technically don't really know how to play piano like the organ kind of helps you like get through that okay yeah it's such a great sound i i'm kind of shocked it's you don't hear it more because anytime i hear a b3 it's always like my favorite instrument in whatever i'm listening to it's it's such a it has such a vibe to it b3 is um yeah there's a lot of things that you can do with a b3 um you know when you're recording music uh you know, it's uh, it's just a really great, you know, it can be a really great lead instrument or it can really fill up, you know, the music very nicely. So I'm not I'm not even making a joke here. I I'm surprised. I always thought it was the Jew harp. Was, was it ever known as the Jew harp or am I if I just read that wrong my entire life? Um, you've probably read that wrong your entire life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel bad because I'm, I'm now, not... there's a Jew fish. Yeah, there's the Jew fish. Um, but, you know, That's I, gefilter, I, I don't right? believe that that the harmonica, uh, who knows? It could have come from Jewish descent. We We need to check on that. I can't imagine. I mean, I can't name a famous Jewish harmonica player. So I'm. I'm you need guessing. to know your history better. Yeah, Ken. Your your own my, your my own, history, my own history. Yeah. You know, uh, Popper John Popper might be Jewish actually. Okay. Oh. And Paul Butterfield maybe I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there's some there's some around. Paul Butterfield was amazing, wasn't he? He was awesome. I've got um. It's funny. I was going to talk to Chip about him. I have a documentary on him lined up in my queue. Usually we we watch documentaries and, and pick pick stories to talk about. And I've, I've got a Paul Butterfield documentary lined up in my queue that I haven't watched yet. It's awesome. So, Taylor, I I might be wrong about this. You and I, I think I think I'm not positive. I think we've actually met in person before. Um. I'll just give everybody a little background. The way we got you here today is you and I have a very close friend in common, uh, Lori Baker, 
who does mm-hmm. amazing charity work. And um, she's also uh, I'm, she's one of my best friends, so I don't feel bad saying this. She's also just out of her fucking mind, like but in the best possible way. And um, I remember one night we were she she threw a big dinner uh, at the in the meatpacking district in the city for like 30 or 40 people. She was in town. She knew the restaurant owner because she knew everybody. And I remember her kept saying that you were supposed to be coming to the dinner. And I just was a little drunk that night. And I can't remember if you were actually there or if I just remembered that you were supposed to be coming. So it's it's possible that we've actually met before. Um, you know, I believe that um, I attended the dinner, but I don't know that if I was drunk enough I, I do believe that i might have been drunk enough to not remember that we met so, so i think that both of us are actually on par by saying that we probably did meet i probably did go to that dinner and we probably were too drunk to remember yeah okay well i, I feel much better about that now. <laughs> uh, and you guys will both be happy to know that i actually scrounged up some video footage from that night Please roll the tapes. No, I don't. I, I don't at all. Oh, God. I was about to say, I thought we weren't video. <laughs> now, uh, but I now, wouldn't now, put it past Lori to video that stuff. You know, she's got, she does, man, she's awesome. She's uh, one of my best friends. And, uh, you know, she's helped me along the way. And, you know, she's got a lot of great contacts. She's a very, very smart um, woman. And, uh, I'm, I know that we're both happy to call her friend. Yes. Yeah. And she's, she's been, uh, I mean, we're still, a this podcast still a, a little bit in its infancy, but she's been championing it for us. And, uh, she's lined up some pretty big guests we've got coming on. She, she got us you. So I know she's going to be listening uh, as soon as this posts. So thanks for putting this together for us, Lori. Thank you. That was one of those nights that we call it, we called we call it a bake and switch when she was like, Hey, you guys got to come out. My friend owns this restaurant. He's going to feed us for free. He's bringing out just, it's going to be like course after course of yeah. dinner. And, um, you guys aren't going to have to pay for any food. The, the, the dinner's free. It's going to be an amazing night. And she was right. Like we didn't pay for dinner. But then at the end of the night, we got like a $4,000 bar bill. <laughs> ended up being like $400 that, you know, the free, the free meal ended up being like four or $500 ahead. It so, always happens like that, doesn't it? Yeah. We, that's what we call the bacon switch. <laughs> that's funny. But Taylor, we only have you for a little bit. So we, we just want to, um, we want to walk through your career for a little bit. So you were you're born in Alabama, right? Yeah, Birmingham. Did you come from a musical family? Not a media a musical family. My um, my two great aunts were the first bluegrass duet female on NPR radio out of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Wow! Oh, that's and cool. um, so I remember going up to going up and visiting family in in Oak Ridge. Um, and, um, you know, there was a musical gene there. Um, you know, it, it, you know, my mom's side of the family could, could sing and play a little bit. And, um, you know, I think it caught, it kind of bit me pretty hard. Do you remember like, what was the music 
what, what were you listening to growing? Like, do you remember the 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 first band or the first song you heard that really stuck out that 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 made you think maybe this is well, something I want to do? Yeah, it's it it it, it gets weird. Um, so you know, when I was a kid, um, probably you know from when I was born to about eight, um, I had really severe pollen allergies in the South. And, um, the allergy, uh, you know, when I would have a, the, the, the reaction was in my eyes. Um, not necessarily, you know, when it, I would itch, but, but it would be, you know, my immune system was not built enough at the time and, and was building, but, um, it attacked my vision. You know, I got the gunk in the eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so interestingly enough, I think that, you know, Growing up in that time period, you know, in the springtime and stuff, I mean, you know, I was probably partially blind part of the day growing up as a kid in the springtime. So there was probably three, a good three months when I was growing up where sight was not, um, was not kind of the forefront in my sense, in my senses. Um, so I ended up, I think that it kind of created a little bit more of a heightened sense of hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so interestingly enough, uh, I, well, I found Ray Charles when I was probably seven or eight and I don't know how, I mean, it might've been records, might've been music that I heard on the radio. I mean, my, my parents were, were pretty hip on music, you know, growing up, um, but, you know, I kind of made the connection with being blind. And I mean, luckily, you know, Ray Charles was the, the beginning of my, my of my musical tree. And I, you know, for a vocalist, uh, you know, that wants to learn how to be able to emote what you're feeling in song. Uh, you know, I kind of hit the lottery, not only because I made a connection with his, with the, the fact that he was blind and I was a little bit blind to a certain degree, but, you know, his vocal stylings really, you know, uh, emoted, um, the music that he was singing. And so, you know, I started with Ray. Yeah. Um, and not a, not a bad place to start at all. No, it was, you know, it, there was. But, you know, it was it was connect all of the dots, you know, up until I was, you know, it took 20, it took 30 years to connect all the dots. But the first dot was was learning how to sing like Ray Charles. I was lucky enough to see him. It was I probably actually, honestly, months before he passed away in Philadelphia at this amphitheater outside. And it, to this day, I've seen hundreds of concerts in it to this day is one of my favorite things I've ever seen. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, now, and then and you said, you know, and obviously Ray Charles is is the perfect example of this. But you said that's how you learn to emote with with your music. And I, I think that really comes through with anything you sing. Uh, did you have a lot of actual training growing up singing or did it, was it, was it, were you basically self-taught? Yeah, it was, it, it was all by ear. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, it, luckily I think that's what kind of passes down, uh, genetically is, is being able to, 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 you know, have a musical ear and hear, you know, so that was, uh, that's kind of the first step, you know, I, I guess Ray and then, you know, having, a, having the musical ear, um, that's kind of the second step, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and, and I think this, I think Ken and I have a very similar experience where, you know, coming up, I think we're all about the same age. We, um, we, you know, we, we were watching TV a lot. We, uh, I was never a huge American Idol fan. I don't think I was just in the demographic for it. I mean, it's one of the biggest shows of all time. And I, but I just remember in 2006 being, uh, I was living with my brother and sister-in-law at the time and she had the TV on and just walking past. And I'd been aware of the show. I'd watched it a few times, you know, you know, a few of the names. And I specifically remember seeing this guy on American Idol. And like, I just stopped in my tracks and I was like, this guy's different. Like what is happening here? And it was you. And it just, you just had this, this, this sound and this soul that just, I was like, this is different than anything else I've seen or heard on American Idol. And I, and I feel like a lot of people had that experience with you. Like, what do you think set you apart from, from the, a, a lot of the other, you know, famous contestants from that show? Um, hmm. I, you know, I would think that it was, um, you know, I think timing was, you know, I mean, Carrie had won before me, um, you know, with the big, with the, the big country angle and she'd had, you know, a couple of hits with, with, uh, you know, uh, before, before cheats. Um, so, you know, you had this big, you know, powerful female country, successful, you know, idol winner the season before me. So, you know, I think that that, you know, the timing of that helped. Um, and, you know, I mean, I was, I was the older, I was the oldest contestant. I might still be the oldest contestant that's ever been on that show after 20 years. I think they're coming up on their 20th season. And, uh, you were 29 when you won 28, Oh, okay. you know, and what's funny though, is that when I got in line in Las Vegas, um, when I got in line in Las Vegas, everybody was asking me where my kids were that were auditioning. That's how uh, that's how fucking old I looked. Um, you know, I mean, I showed up in like this, you know, I mean, I, all of these people around me were, you know, they had. I mean, I, I don't know if you know, uh, there's the story. It, it's interesting is that I was in Hurricane Katrina spent 15 hours in contraflow traffic with this taxi driver. And then Southwest gave me a free ticket anywhere in the country. It canceled my flight. I pull up to the Birmingham airport, fly to Vegas on a whim. My brother calls me at 1230 at night and says, idle trouts are in two hours. And I go and get in line at four o'clock in the morning and win it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. So that's, that's kind of how the, that's how the, that's how I caught my break. You know I mean? And that, that was just, you know, surreal in itself. But, you know, I think that to your to answer your question, I think just the age, um, you know, the old, you know, do something 10,000 hours. Uh, I think I'd probably done about 20,000 hours up to that point or 20,000 days or something. What's that book that, that yeah, you ten, heard of? 10,000 hours. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I, I think it was. I think it was very, there's a real, there's really, there's some real substance to that, to that book and and to that saying, Um, you know, it was just, I think it was just my time. I mean, I had kind of materialized uh, my vision, you know, to the point to where, you know, I, I could hear it, smell it, taste it, see it, you know, and then all of a sudden when I, when I realized that like, Hey, you know, this is your break. Then all of a sudden it was like, Oh shit, man. I I've got to, this is, this is it. It was, it wasn't necessarily when I won American Idol, people kind of just assumed that, you know, like, you know, man, you won the thing. Well, you know, when, when, you know, when, when Nigel 
you know, because they, they the producers, you know, they they, you know, they'll guide you. They had their idea of what they wanted to do with me when I when I walked in the door. Sure, you know, I mean, they they, you know, that's kind of their, you know, they see all the talent, and uh, you know, it's funny, Nigel, when I started doing the audition, uh, you know. I was doing the, you know, moving and shaking and stuff. And he comes around behind the, the, uh, the curtain there. And he says, uh, I, you know, we don't want to see Joe Cocker. <laughs> we want to, we want to hear Taylor Hicks. And that was such a profound direction from him at that point in time, because that was honestly the first time that I'd been produced or directed to do anything. Right. Right. Um, you know, but it was so profound because then I realized, you know, what they want to do is sell records at the end of the show. I mean, you can flop all, you can fish, you can fish out all you want to on the stage, but look, our end game is that, you know, we have an obligation to, to Clive Davis to sell a ton of records. So you need to, you need to make sure vocally that you you're distinct. Right. So that's kind of how that, I think that's kind of how the, 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 the stars aligned in the beginning. I am. Um, I watched your audition again last night on YouTube and you did, first off, I thought this was the ballsiest thing is you did Sam cook. Uh, cha- um, there's a change. Com- what's a uh, change. Coming change going to come. Change going to come. Which is, you know, one of Sam Cooke is, is arguably the one of the greatest soul singers of all time. And uh, I, I thought it was just such a ballsy move for a white boy to come out and, and do something like that. And uh, Randy and Paula immediately were like, yes. And then um, Simon kind of chastised them a bit. And he was like, you guys are you're not doing him a favor because by saying yes, you're never going to put him in the final round. So um, when you fast forward from that moment to the moment where they announce you as the winner, how satisfying was that? Well, you know, I can tell you, you know, um, this is kind of a this this is kind of a. um, uh, you know, when I when I watch The Voice, when I watch Idol, when I watch, um, you know, the, the the one thing that the judges do sometimes and they don't really catch themselves doing it and nobody has the balls probably enough to tell them that they're doing it, but they're doing it is that when, you know, they will look off camera and look to the producers and you can catch that. In some of these, you know, some of the Hollywood weeks and some of the some of these, you know, places where, you know, they're actually getting new beginning talent. And uh, I went back and looked at that audition. um, And uh, I just remember uh, Simon looking over. You can see his eyes look over to Nigel and Ken and it's it's on it's on tape. They can't you can't go back and edit that out because it's such an important part of what their critique is. So when I go back and I see that, you know, that he's looking to to Nigel and them, he's kind of looking and saying like, what the hell do you want me to, what do you want me to do here? You know? And, you know, they take direction. I mean, they take direction. They, you know, it's, it's, it's a television show, but, but I think ultimately, you know, look, Simon, Simon and I, we ended up, you know, kind of getting closer to the end because, 
at the end of the show, it's, it's not, it's not the judges. Uh, it's the fan base that you've created and, you know, it's how, how rich, how rich your AT&T is going to get, you right. know, that's the main, right. that's the main deal. So, um, I will say this, uh, I'm different than chip at, at the time. I actually was a huge American idol fan. I initially started watching it in the very first season because I liked the train wreck element. I liked watching Simon yell at William Hung. I liked all the bad auditions. Um, but then as that got whittled down, I really did get into the drama of the competition. And uh, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say I, at the time I was a huge American Idol fan. And during your season, I specifically remember um, – it was when you were doing Taking It to the Streets that I remember turning around to my roommate and saying, like, I think this would be the first American Idol guy that I like if he was playing near me, I would actually go see perform. And um, you did some other cool like um, you did that song Trouble by Ray LaMontagne. Yeah. And I'd never heard of him. I'd never heard that song. So then I went on to iTunes and I found him. And uh, you turned me on to him. Uh, he, he's got a bunch of great songs. And then I worked backwards off him because, you know, oh, if you like him, you might try Ryan Adams. Like just watching you on American Idol. Uh, first, it reminded me of how great <clears throat> some of the music I'd forgotten about was. Um, but then it also helped me discover new music, which I think I ultimately that. is what you want that's, to do. You right? know, that's what I wanted to do with Trouble. Um you know, it was a big risk, but, um, you know, you know, I, I, I felt that, you know, Ray LaMontagne was such a great soulful artist that at the time, I mean, I think ultimately he would, his music would be heard. I mean, it, it, it you know, his music would be put into, you know, an Apple TV commercial or, or, a you know, some sort of his music's just that great. His writing's great. His singing's great. That record was especially, you know, that was his, you know, that was his coming out party, but, you know, it just so happened that, you know, I had to pick a, 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 a tune that was, uh, on the, ch on the charts or, 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 or current. Um, and, uh, when I did that, I knew that I was taking a risk, but at the same time, it was also like, you know what, they're good. People are going to, if they like me, they're going to like Ray LaMontagne. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to find out just how great, you know, this performer is. And, and, you know, I was happy to do that and, and it worked out, but that's, I appreciate that because that's exactly yeah. my, in, my intent on that song. So do you like, do you hear from him afterwards? Like, Hey, th thanks for, uh, thanks for singing that on national television or, yeah, you know, I, I never, I never did, but uh, I did get. Interestingly enough, I got before Idol. Uh, he came through town and played at a really cool place called the Workplace Theater in Birmingham. And uh, really, I had a, we got drunk with his bass player at the time, and uh, you know, just really great guy. And uh, you know, no, I haven't run into Ray, um, but it would be, uh, it'd be really cool to, to talk to him about it, you know, because I hope that I helped. I know that I helped. Well, absolutely. yeah, no, you, 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 you definitely, I still listen to, you know, I mean, that was 2006 and I still have him in my playlists. Um, oh yeah. 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 And he's, 
and obviously the records that he's done since then have just kind of, you know, obviously expounded on his career, but he, um, he's a good one. So, uh, I was, I was instructed. I have to ask about you meeting the president. Oh Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. So I guess you have been talking to Lori. Um, (laughs) yeah, I've been been texting uh, with her all week. uh, Yeah. It was funny. You know, in some random circumstance, my ninth grade English teacher was uh, George Bush's press, Laura Bush's press secretary. So, uh, Miss Dryden uh, was her name. She she taught me in ninth grade English, and then when I got on the show, she 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 found she found my number or something and texted me and said, "I'm Laura Bush's press secretary. Check this out." And it was basically uh, all the Bush family in the White House on their phones voting for me, um, which I thought <laughs> was wow. you know that was like that was one of those kind of like oh shit I've made it you know kind of moments like what am i doing you know like and so um you know fast forward i i called her back and i said you know the the idol tour is coming through uh washington dc and um i would you know i i would love it if we could maybe you know i'd like to meet the president or something she was like well let's let me run it up the flagpole and see and then immediately uh she got back to me and was like yeah they would you know they'd love to meet all the idols but you know uh i know that that the president would like to meet you, you know, personally and uh, want to talk to you for a little while and, um, you know, maybe have some lunch or something. And, and I said, well, that I would be honored obviously to do that. So uh, we rolled through town and um, believe it or not, uh, it was, uh, it was kind of, you know, when you, when you're dealing with, um, you know, especially something like that, you know, even like, you know, when, you know, CBS early morning shows, uh, the talk, I mean, all of those, all of those shows, I mean, you could have a giant record, uh, and you're it, it, to be released, but you know, if there's a breaking news story, you're cut, right. You're, ba- you're bounced, you know, you're not gonna, you know, I've got, you know, over the years, I mean, I've got, there's been many times where I've been in, you know, I've been in ABC or NBC or something. And they're like, Hey, we've, you know, there's shooting, you know, go back to your hotel. We'll, we'll call it, we'll rebook you, you know? So that particular day, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin and George Bush, uh, there was some real serious tension in, uh, Beirut and Jerusalem. I think that it was, uh, it was just a very tenuous situation. And both of them, they, they were actually uh, having lunch in the Rose Garden um, or something like that. And, you know, I showed up and the, and the idols, you know, showed up a little bit later. And I, I really didn't know if I was going to um, be able to, to meet uh, the president. But I can tell you this, uh, just from, from, you know, being in that building during that time, you you want to talk about being able to feel the weight of the world? I mean, even I felt the weight of the world. I mean, you know, and I mean, I kind of felt a little bit like that on Idol. I mean, just there was just you just that weird public eye scrutiny. I mean, they're just you know that the but you know during that time, I mean, it was a lot. I mean, you could feel how 
somber and sincere everything was. And I mean, everything, but luckily, you know, he decided to do it. And so there's no, when I went into the Oval Office, there, there's no, um, there's no handles on the doors. So it's just like open sesame, you know, it's kind <laughs> of this weird uh, oval. There's no handles. So all of a sudden it was like, I was sitting in this hallway and it's all, all of a sudden this like door open. It's like open <laughs> sesame, you know, it's like, and I don't know why they do that. I, I, I there's gotta be a reason I, I should have asked, but, uh, the, I walk in, you know, I'm in suit and everything. And, and the president, um, he's at his desk and, uh, he got this, you know, big smile on his face and he says, uh, how'd you do it? And, uh, I said, um, I said, uh, uh, you know, I, you know, here I am from, you know, you know, come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee and I'm standing in the Oval <laughs> Office and the president, first thing he says is, he goes, how'd you do it? And I said, um, uh, with all due respect, Mr. President, uh, how did I do what? <laughs> and he goes, how'd you get all them damn votes? <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of one of those moments where I was just kind of like, you know, uh, do what? You know, um, but man, you know, that, that, that meeting was awesome. Uh, he couldn't have been nicer. Uh, very, very dry sense of humor. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that you would want around with your buddies playing golf and stuff, because I mean, he's, he's got, you know, he is extremely witty and, and, and a, you know, in, in the nicest way possible, like a really funny smart ass, you know? Well, yeah, that's what they always said about him. Like that's the president you'd want to grab a beer with. Oh, you know, I mean, for sure. I remember um, we were all doing pictures and, and, you know, back then, I don't know if they still do it or not, but you know, there was the, there, there was the old school photography where there was like the flash bulbs, like, you know, like the old, like there's like the 10 cans that you see and, so there's like those, and we're all in, we're all getting pictures with all the idols and stuff. And I remember Kelly, you know, laughing or something and being like, you know, I went down to the library and I, you know, I, I found a lot of, I found a lot of books to, you know, there was a lot of great books down there. And I remember the president going, yeah, don't touch those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and man, I just was like, I mean, we we're all standing there taking pictures and she's like, there's like, there's all these wonderful books in there. And George Bush goes, he goes, keep your hands off of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, so, I mean, look, that was just, I mean, that was a, that was a really cool experience for not only me, for all of us. And to be able to feel the weight of the world in that building like that, you know, whoever is in that office, you have to respect them because, you know, it, it is truly the weight of the free world. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Did, did you steal any? Speaking of that, oh, go ahead. Did you steal any silver? Like, did you, uh, you, you, you steal like the nuclear codes or anything to remember it by? No, but um, I've been in that wine cellar a couple of times. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like Woodrow Wilson's guitar on the wall back there. Is that, it, it, I, I recognize that. Is that his? No, 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 no. Those are, those are all actually working guitars. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I, luckily I have somewhere to put them after, you know, being a, you know, a nomad for a while, but I finally got some guitar hooks and, and put them up there, you know? Now, and speaking of that feeling too, uh, when you're performing, you know, Ken and I are both stand-up comedians. So, you know, we get that, that rush to the stage on a much smaller level than uh, an American Idol winner. But do you, uh, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite either venue or favorite concert? I don't know if it was American Idol involved or something totally different where you just had that buzz, that, that favorite moment on stage. Um, so there was a, there was a, uh, an old guitar player named Jody Payne and Jody was, um, he grew up playing in the, in the bar that I kind of grew up playing in, in, in the Florabama lounge package in, uh, in, in right on the Florida Alabama line, home to the interstate mullet toss where 200,000 people line the beach and watch people get completely shit faced and throw mullet to fish. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, that's the roadhouse that I grew up playing in. And, uh, and Jody ended up being uh, Willie's guitar player for, 40 50 years oh, wow. and um so i we were in denver the idol tour was in denver and um a good friend of mine that was uh that i had gotten to be really good friends with on the tour ted cognata um i think one of his buddies or something was working uh working video for willie nelson and the nitty-gritty dirt band and um there was uh willie's manager was named pootie um <laughs> He, you know, was Willie's tour manager for, for years. He's big guy, big, just barrel of fun dude. Um, and his name was Pootie. And uh, <laughs> so Pootie, uh, so we, so he, the nitty gritty dirt band of Willie was playing at Red Rocks. And so um, we go and, uh, you know, it's my first time. I mean, obviously, you know, like I said, I mean, I, I went from, you know, playing small clubs and, um, you know, trying to bang my head against every wall that I could to, to, to being able to, to tour as much as I wanted to at that point. But, uh, I went to the, I went to Red Rocks for the first time, you know, and, and kind of like a kid in the candy shop, just walked around and saw everything and ended up, you know, ended up on the side stage. And then I remember Pootie standing on the stage, this big, you know, happy go lucky tour manager, and just had this big shitting grin on his face. And, um, he, you know, they were doing the will the circle be unbroken. And I mean, he just looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? What am I doing? He said, get your ass up there. Oh, wow. So he just yanked me up and I, I I've got this really cool picture of just me singing. Will the circle be unbroken with Willie? And I don't even think Willie knew that I was even singing. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think, the, I don't even think the band knew that I was up there. I mean, you know, that's how much, you know, pull Pootie had in, in the, in the camp of Willie Nelson is it, you know, Pootie was, you know, he, he could call people in and, and in and out of the stage without Willie knowing. And, you know, I think that's just a testament to how cool Willie's camp is, you know, and, you know, for reasons, obviously we all know how cool they are, but, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, that was just one of those moments where, you know, I was like, shit, man, I'm at Red Rocks with a nitty gritty dirt band singing Will the Sturkum Be Unbroken with Willie Nelson. And he has no fucking idea that I'm actually singing with him. <laughs> <laughs> that makes the story so much funnier. <laughs> I mean, you know, and he was like, and I remember talking to him, you know, at the end, because I got to see Jody Payne. Uh, I haven't seen him in a long time. And, and unfortunately, Jody passed a few years ago. 
But, uh, you know, I remember, you know, Willie, you know, looking up at me uh, after we got done and we were backstage and, and Willie, he just kind of looked at me. He goes, he goes, you think, he goes, you think that they'll ever let any redheads on the idol to win? <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know, but you know what? I don't think a redhead, I don't think a redhead has ever won American Idol. And to be honest with you, I don't think a redhead is, has, has ever won American Idol in 20 fucking years. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, what was it like uh, getting parody, parodied on Saturday Night Live? Um, I mean, I didn't know, I, I didn't know it had happened until, uh, until the morning after. I mean, you know, during that time, I mean, it's funny, like, man, you know, we were, you know, we were the first season where actually people really started figuring out how to text. Mm -hmm. Right. So like my season, like, you know, my dad, I mean, obviously anybody that, that was, you know, six fifty five and over didn't know what a self could not, was just beginning to grasp like what an actual cell phone was, you know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that season of idol actually taught a lot of people how to text. But what's funny though is that like there was no there was real no, there was no real spell check, so it's like you know when you're on a show like that at that time like when somebody when something big happens like in the, the next morning, I mean I would get texts from like a hundred people and they'd be like from good blah, 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 job or you know like it was just this giant jumbled mess of like <laughs> letters because nobody really could nobody knew. But I knew once I got a bunch of them that something had happened. But when I actually, when someone actually got me on the phone that morning, it was like, yeah, Jason Sudeikis did a pretty good job of you. Um, I just, you know, I, I just, I mean, I, it was awesome. I mean, he did a really good, I, I, you know, always wondered, like, I guess that, you know, I'm easily impersonated because, I mean, you know, he did a f really fantastic job of that. You know, I mean, he's just, he did. And, and I knew when that happened that, you know, that I had kind of become woven into, into the fabric of pop culture at that point in time, which was, I knew in the back of my mind was probably, um, you know, a good thing. And, you know, it was interesting because I was doing all the things, you know, from a, from an, from a stage perspective, I tried to do something different every week that people would, uh, whether it was the purple jacket, whether it was falling down, whether it was pulling a, uh, Paula Abdul on stage. I mean, all of that was pre-calculated in my mind just because I was, because a, you know, it was, it was my number had been called, you know, and once your number is called in this business, then, you know, you need to be, you need to do everything that you can to make sure that, you know, you sustain a career. And, um, so when he did that, I mean, I just, I mean, it was, it was, it was awesome. I mean, he, you know, my, my pubes looks like, looks like a genius's haircut. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, even, you know, like I was a little nervous. Like I was, <laughs> I, mean, I was a little nervous because I was like, oh shit. Now they impersonated me. I mean, when you get impersonated, it's like twofold. It's like one, do they look like you? 
And two, you know, is the is the writing going to be sufficient enough to really, you know, make a mark? And I mean, they were they were writing really good skits at, at the time, and yeah. they had some really great, you know, actors and actresses on that show. I mean, you know, it, 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 that was that was a really good time for SNL. And I mean, you know, I mean, the way that he put that together. He, and I saw Jason at this. Um, at this premiere of, uh, I'm, I, and I, I really am bummed that the, the show didn't, didn't carry on, but it was vinyl. Um, oh, yeah, the, the, the HBO, HBO, the oh, HBO yeah. series, uh, which I never, I mean, why, I don't understand why. I mean, that had a lot, that had a lot of opportunity, in my opinion, to be a really great long running show. Yeah. Um, it had the right name, the right title, but I think his wife uh, at the time, was uh, was in the show, but he saw me and we just bowled over. I mean, he I think he it said something about you know that was one of his funnest skits to do. I guess just because of the popularity at the time, and I think he knew he could just nail the the part, you know. And I mean, just I mean, the whole bit was fucking, <laughs> and it was great the great writing too. But that was, uh, I, and again, it was tough to navigate those waters because. You know, here I was at that point being parodied on that show and nobody else was. So, you know, a lot of those people that were on the show, you know, they I had a little bit of a hard time running with that show because I was running away with it to a certain degree, I believe, you know, right. it was just my time. But but that was kind of tough to navigate a little bit because you knew you were getting a little bit more love, so to speak, you know? Do you ever miss the days of like banging around in bar bands with nobody knowing who you are, being able to do whatever the fuck you want? Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, at the peaks and valleys of, of the career, I mean, you know, I could, I could still do a little bit of that now. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm trying to think the last time that I did that. I, I got to be careful because usually when I like when I sit in with bands, I, I've already been drinking, you know. <laughs> right. So it's not like and, I, and, and, you know, it's funny, like I've been in a situation, situations like that. You know, I was a funny story. I was at the Beacon Theater in New York City and uh, I went They were the Allman Brothers were doing a run. Oh, that's such a and, great. Uh, yeah. And that's and. I think that that was probably in like 08 or something like that. And, um, you know, um, I'm sitting in my seat and I, in this, this tap on the, you know, this tap on the shoulder. And, you know, I mean, I've been just crushing like draft beers from like, <laughs> you know, I mean, for a long time, man. I mean, you know, and I'm, I'm just, I mean, I, I was just enjoying the almonds at the beacon, you know? And, and I mean, we were, you know, we were really feeling no pain at that point because you don't drive in New York City. Right. You know? It's like, right. I mean, shit, you go to New York City, you can start drinking immediately because you know you're not going to drive. You know? Right. And you're also not so, expecting to be on stage. You're expecting to be, no. be in your seat. And so I get this tap on my shoulder and it's um, it's the tour manager. And he says, uh, you want to come back for a second? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll be happy to. And I mean, look. I don't not take a harmonica to shows like that. You know, I just don't, you know I mean? I just, I mean, it's, it's, 
the 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 it's too real it's too easy to not take one you know right uh it's too easy to take one um so we ended up you know i I thought that i was just gonna go back there and say hello you know well the next thing i know i mean they stop they they get done with the song and greg looks over and i'm in the wings and greg's like he waves me on and i'm just like i'm not i mean i i don't i don't I mean, I can't yell at him. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm drunk. You know, you tell me like they're playing music, yeah. you know? So I really wasn't all that drunk. I think it worked out. I think there's a little video on it. I mean, obviously I went back, but I ended up playing uh, don't keep me wondering or something like that. So there are times where, uh, you know, I, when I do hop on stage, it's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I have, more, sometimes I have more fun doing that than having the responsibility of playing, you know, playing a show because, uh, you know, once I, um, you know, once, 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 once when I, when I really got, you know, uh, when I actually had like a contract to play music, you know, I just told myself, I was like, you know, the days of playing, of not playing sober are over. And, and I've, to this day, I've played every one of the shows that are under Taylor Hicks, I've played with a sober mind and a sober band. Right. Uh, there's no drinking before the show. Um, you know, I mean, we're there to do the job and I, I've, I've gone back and I've listened to a lot of music that I've done. And a lot of some of the live shows that I've done before American Idol. And I mean, it's, uh, it's obvious that there's a, a drunk guy trying to sing like Michael McDonald on the stage, <laughs> you know, so I was like, I had to quit that, which has been good for the music, uh, you know, but sitting in completely different story. And, and now you're you're also a, a professional at this, too. The one thing that I that always just boggled my mind is when you're doing that. Have you ever been in this situation where you're asked to come on stage? You're asked to come on and either you don't know the like you haven't rehearsed with this band. So, A, do you not know the lyrics or B, just the key that it's in or just not rehearsed? Like it, that's got to be a difficult thing just to jump in and sit in with a band without sit, you know, without running through it once or, or, or well, it yeah. 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 That's, you know, um, the case in point, there's a, there's a, uh, there's an amazing soul three piece, uh, oh, one, two, three, yes. Three piece called soul live. Um, Eric Krasno and then, uh, Neil, uh, one of the greatest three piece soul bands that I've ever seen um and i hopped up there with them one night they asked me to but you, you, the key to that is being able to listen uh you know when you get in or when you drop in i mean now they're calling it like musicians are calling it's like sitting in um is called drop there's it's changing to drop in now so like dropping in, which is, I think it's kind of cool. Cause like, what do you, you like I, when I see drop in, it's like dropping into this giant abyss of music. And, you know, it's, I think it just sounds cooler, but uh, you have to listen. Uh, usually you don't get the nod to take a solo. You know what the key is. You have the right key to the harmonica, but <clears throat> um, listening to the rhythm, what the, what the sound is, where, where the music's going and stuff. I mean, usually you'll get, a few bars of music to understand and, and a harmonic is really easy to do that with. It's not like guitar, you know, you can, you know that you're in the right key here. You just have to navigate that. Right. Right. Oh, that's great. 
what's um what's the best drop in you've ever seen like just as a fan can can you remember um you know um question um i'm trying to think i know i'm, I'm it's funny i'm trying to rack my mind of all the shows i've seen I'm like a sit-in uh the strangest one i've ever seen is i saw the pretenders opening for the rolling stones and they brought out john McEnroe to play bass oh that's great <laughs> Which that's not awesome. the and it's it's not usual that the that the drop in it's like it it's is a worse musician than the regular guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's interesting. Um, you know, I've probably uh, there's some jazz fest stuff that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's some late night shows that I've been to where you know George Porter and the Meters will have. You know, they'll have Carl Denson from, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones and his and his band. Mm -hmm. uh, if you really want to see some great sit-ins, uh, the late night jazz festival shows are the best. Uh, and especially, you know, as Jazz Fest, you know, gets, you know, bigger and they start bringing acts like the Rolling Stones are going to open Jazz Fest this year. I mean, you know, obviously they have some big acts and stuff. I mean, those guys are prone to to hit some late night joints like the maple leaf and like, um, Tipitina's uptown. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just a lot though that if you really want to go to a festival where you can go to a festival, but your late night shows, that's the city, mm -hmm. you know, that's the city to go to. Yeah. Um, I know we just got you for another couple minutes. I'm, I want to say, um, dusty Hill passed away yesterday. What did, what did ZZ Top mean to you? Well, I mean, this just, you know, I, I never, uh, you know, I never covered any of their music, but I, I definitely listened to a ton. And, um, um, you know, they're, I mean, legendary showman. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not easy growing you know, a fucking four foot long beard. You know, you want to, I mean, you want to talk about seriously. I mean, you want to talk about being, you know, cause I've had some acting gigs where they're like, you know, we need you to shave your, you know, shave your must, you know, shave your mustache and beard, or we need, you know, we need to grow, you know, you need to grow your hair out and not cut, you know, grow your beard for, you know, your three week run or something like that. I mean, let's just start with the beard. I mean, the fact that, A, the guys probably like beards, but having one that long, I mean, that is a dedication to your craft and your yeah. showmanship, yeah. you know? And that alone, you know, is just one of those one of those minute things when you think about legendary artists and entertainers. I mean, that's just one of those – that's one of the little things that, that you notice, you know, just – as, as a study, you know, that, that they had. And I mean, their sound was great. I mean, it, everything that they did, that, you know, was what you do to create your, you know, your legendary, you know, status is one of the best blues trios in, in rock and roll. And, uh, uh, you know, to meet Billy backstage at the Greek theater one time. And, uh, 
Oh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we can hear you now. It, it just cut out for a second. Yeah. You were saying you, the, you met Billy. The Greek, yeah, I met Billy in the Greek theater. And we started talking about his tomato. So he's got a tomato garden. He's got a condo in L.A. <laughs> and he gave me his, he gave me his card. And uh, I got his card. And then when I got home that night, I was like, shit, this Billy Gibbons gave me his card. It said Billy Gibbons on it, has number. And then on the back, it said friend of Eric Clapton's. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And when you think about, I mean, they're, they were together almost 50 years, three person band, never a lineup change, never any additional musicians. Um, I just I just read this amazing book called um, They Just Seem a Little Weird uh, about uh, Cheap Trick, Aerosmith and Kiss and and how they changed 70s rock. And there's a great line in it where they say that bands are never meant to stay together for 40 or 50 years, that that it's it's against nature to to be together that long. And then when you think that that the same three people did it for that long, it's it's just amazing. It's just a huge loss. I was so bummed because I've gone on um, like I'm I'm planning on going to all these sh- like now that COVID is is hopefully behind you know hopefully behind us and, and concerts are opening up. I just I want to go see as many bands as possible, and I had ZZ Top right on the top of that list, and uh, I, I was pretty bummed. And, and, uh, they're actually playing in Tuscaloosa Saturday, and then or Friday night. So I'm I'm curious. My uh, my guitar player is actually opening up for me on oh, wow. uh, Friday night. So they're playing in Tuscaloosa, and then Brandon, Mississippi, on Sunday. So I'm not sure if they're actually gonna. Billy, they Billy put out a statement today that the Dusty always said that if something happened to him, he wanted them to continue, and he said that they're planning on honoring it. Yeah. So I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if it'll happen as soon as Friday, but it does sound like like they're planning on uh, on going along. They are. Dusty's, uh, Dusty's bassist. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. his base tech, his base tech is gonna gonna be the yeah. Kid? His base tech okay. is taking over. Who has an equally awesome beard? Oh, does he? Oh, he's been growing it for thirty years, just in case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, boys. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, well, well, Taylor, we don't want to keep you for too much longer, but but th- thanks again so much for being a part of this. And uh, before you go, uh, what's uh, what's next for you, and, and where can people find you? Where can they they get your stuff? And uh, uh, you know, what's, what's the best way to uh, to find Taylor Hicks? Well, um, obviously, my website, obviously, social media, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, I've got a few shows on the books. I'm finishing a record in, at Zach Brown's place here in Nashville called Southern Ground. So. A lot of heavy touring um, next spring and, and summer and fall and, and going to plan on getting a record out pretty soon. But, uh, you know, kind of just spot dates. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in uh, a really great barbecue chain down in Alabama called Saul's Barbecue. That's kind of kept me busy this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so check Saul's Barbecue out. It's pretty cool. It's got some really great food and, uh, I'm around, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be popping up a little bit more. Um, hopefully, uh, we can temper COVID and, uh, 
and get out to see some more shows. And hopefully you guys and I can have some beer soon along with Lori. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, You go on tour. I will. I'll definitely be there with Baker. I'll be up that way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Going to do it. All right, Taylor. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope you had fun. I did. I had a blast. It's nice. It's nice talking more than like two minute segments on TV. I mean, you can actually, I can actually cuss and tell stories. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, this is exactly when when we started this show, this was exactly the the kind of thing that we had in mind. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Well, it's been awesome. I appreciate you. Let's talk. Let's talk soon. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks, Taylor. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. We'll talk soon. I'll send you those promo stuff. Perfect. All right. All right. Cool deal. Thank you. Take care. Bye. All right. Well, Taylor, Taylor Hicks, ladies and gentlemen. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We did it. We did it. So, uh, Ken, anything you need to uh, line up, send out there to your fans? Nope. Just uh, Ken Krantz comic. Follow. You know what? I want to say um, we've gone. I've, I've been tracking some of the listens and I'm curious to hear from some of the fans. So like there's somebody in Frankfurt, Germany, who has listened to every episode. Um, we are very big in Plano, Texas. Okay. And um, I want to hear from you guys. So if you have stories that you want us to cover or bands that you think we need to know about, tweet us at uh, Rock and Roll Pod on Twitter. And uh, yeah, like I said, we just we want to hear from you. This. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we appreciate you listening and, and uh, sp- spread it around, rate and review us. And and again, yeah, we'd love to hear from fans. So uh, tell us what you think of the show. Uh, yeah. Any suggestions you have, that would be uh, that'd be great. All right. All right. All right. Ken. Chip. See you next All week. Right. All right. Bye, Take everybody. care, everybody.